I'm Steve Rutten. I can't say my own name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird problem. I know. It's such a stupid problem to have. Welcome to This Endorian Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. I'm Stephen Red. <laughs> you just like the second before we started recording, you were like, I'm just gonna say Steve Rudd. I'm not gonna say Steven. We had a whole conversation about it. The moment of truth came and you still said Steven. Uh I'm Steve Rudd and I have the memory of a goldfish. So but I'm confused. Why does saying the full name trip you up? Because it's your name. It's a name you were born. It is with. my it's name. Always been but I don't name. say my name. It's oh, like my phone number. Okay. And people are like, oh, what's your phone number? And I'm like, oh, I, can't, I don't well, know my phone number. That's a cause... sign of the times, though, right? I mean, I could tell you, that's my true. friend Brandon, in 1992, his number was 9628218. But I can tell you, your, I don't know your phone number right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't know yours either. It's in my, yeah. All right. So you can't say your own name <laughs> even when it's written out. I can't say my you. full name with a You PH. can't say your full name. You could say Steve. It's you could the, say Steve, right? Yeah, I got hung up on the PH. Well, let's see how I do. I'm Nick Gunning, and we're following the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi to the Ewok TV movies and the 80s cartoon. Well done. Thank yeah, you. You're good at it. You're saying your own name. That's well, thank great. you. <laughs> yeah, I like to try. I like to try regular <laughs> things. So today we are discussing The Caravan of Courage, an oh. Ewok adventure, which originally Ooh. aired on television. On television. It was a made for... Well, I don't know if it was made for television. I mean, it's George Lucas here. After his trilogy yeah. made a made-for-television show, I don't know. And maybe the it, producer saw it and they were like, this you know, is going to go to television. I learned first. a little bit of a fact here. It was originally pitched to be like just a half-hour special, just like a, a, a oh, quick little thing. Really? And all the networks passed on it. But ABC was like, yeah, we'll do it. But we want like a full, full two-hour chunk of time. And so they expanded the story to the two hours. And you can really feel that in the finished product. You can feel yeah. that you're watching yeah, a half-hour script. About- Hour and a half too long. In two hours. Yeah. But anyway, I interrupted. You were saying television. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, on television, November 25th, 1984, and would be released theatrically after this in many countries, including Ireland, France, Germany, Mexico, and Japan. So interesting that the U.S. is not on there, right? Yeah. Or maybe it was. Or I don't know. They, they didn't do it theatrically in America, huh? Yeah. No, I guess not. I Crazy. guess not. I don't know. It's weird to see. I mean, to me, this is not a theatrical film. I can't imagine seeing yeah. it like in a theater. Mm-hmm. You know, we got spoiled last episode. I can imagine walking episode. out. We got spoiled <laughs> last episode because we were doing Return of the Jedi, which is like universally acclaimed, where the Ewok yeah. movies have a bad reputation, and I'm suddenly figuring out why. Well, when I was a kid, I liked it. I remember yeah. I remember being like afraid of the, you know, the giant and stuff like that. I mean, we'll get into that, but like I you know, it's something that I remember which means I had to have seen it on VHS or something because there's no way I saw it on television. I This this know? cleared up a lot of things for me because I haven't seen these in a long time. All of my memories are from the Battle for Endor. Yeah. Anyway. There's a lot more memorable action, I think, in Battle for Endor. Oh, definitely. Well, it's, um, it's darker this and, it's, and it's weirder. I'm looking forward yeah. to getting to that one. But let's take a look at uh, who's joining yeah. us in this journey this week. So, let's dive right in. Go ahead. All right. This was directed by John Cordy. He directed many TV movies, lots of TV movies, plus 13 episodes of Sesame Street. Oh, you, you can definitely see that in so there. You, go, right? yeah, yeah. you definitely yeah, see this on some great aspect. So the story was by George Lucas, but the actual teleplay was by Bob Carew. And Bob Carew would go on and write 14 episodes of the Ewoks cartoon. 
so a little bit i actually didn't realize there was any crossover between the creative teams behind the well creative behind the uh the movie and the (laughs) we use that term loosely (laughs) but yes he wrote several episodes of that elvin and the chipmunks tiny tunes and right up to more recently with things like clifford the big red dog so pretty prolific tv writer there the scores by peter bernstein and we do sample the john williams parade of the ewoks uh yeah music music score from return of the jedi what did you think of the score I, I don't know. I, I'm actually a very big score and soundtrack person. Yeah, and same. I got to be honest, this one, it, it, when you say that this was made for like to be a 30 minute episode, yeah. it, it makes the music feel more like it is an episode of a television show, yeah. like Star Trek or something like going to a planet, like Shore Leave, the episode of Shore Leave, where it's like a lot of flutes, a yeah. lot yeah. of like happy, you know. So I don't know. It's it's a good filler, but it, there's nothing really stands out as far as thematic, you know, yeah, elements I, to the soundtrack. I, I mean, like you, I tend to notice the score and things, mm-hmm. and I was kind of paying attention on this one, and it really didn't leave much of an impact on me. The thing yeah. that stood out to me the most was that I got more hints of John Williams' like ET score than Star Wars. Did you? Yeah, so, like some is, of the main theme yeah. had kind of that. Like, yeah, it's exactly what it is. That's right? what I was singing. Yeah. So, so I that's, kept hearing yeah. ET. So that threw me <laughs> off a little bit. Because um, it's like, did somebody send this yeah. guy the wrong score to listen to? But yeah. I mean, this is this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But I think the problem with this score is a similar problem with a lot of what's going on. Nothing feels like Star Wars here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the very basic things, the, the lighting in the forest, you know, the even the, the costumes for the Ewoks, the kind of creatures that you meet. The locations, the too. Look, yeah, sudden, I mean. I was like, whoa, this is like a, they're in like a desert now. Like, yeah, it's so weird. Is... Yeah, but I think yeah. that's just part of it. Like, I think if you just turned this on and saw like the middle section of it, I don't think that you would automatically be like, oh, Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't think you'd yeah. make that connection at all. Uh, for Mm -hmm. for many many reasons but the score is one of them because it's not reminiscent of a star wars score Uh, let's look at the cast members here and speaking of music eric walker who plays mace you in in doing a deep dive here discovered that he's still a pretty active musician right yeah he's uh he's produced like something somewhere around like three or four albums Uh uh-huh he has a new song that is really good. Oh. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's it's almost like it's taken him a few albums to okay. kind of really grow in his talent. But where are you he's find, getting there. Where are you finding this? Is it on like I found Spotify it or on whatever? iTunes okay. as well. All right. So if you just well, look up Eric Walker music, he, he's there. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot of acting credits. He was in episodes of Webster, the new Leave it to Beaver, the Marshall Chronicles, but not a, not a ton of things here. Unlike uh, the parents, the two actors who played the parents in this, even though we don't see a ton of them in this, very, very long careers. Fianola Flanagan is Katarine. She was very prolific with prominent roles on Lost, Murder, She Wrote, uh, movies like The Others, The Adventure of Lying, several roles across the Star Trek franchise. She was in Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise. Guy Boyd as Jeremit, which is not a name. I just want to say it outright. Jeremit. Jeremit. <laughs> is not even a Star Wars name. Supposed to be Jeremy? He was, or... <laughs> you know, Jeremy, but with a mid at the end. Yeah, mid. Um, he was in Knott's Landing. He was in Quantum Leap. He was in Remington Steel, which I know you love. Oh, I love Remington <laughs> Steel. You know that. <laughs> and I actually just saw him very recently in the movie uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. 
with Jesse, really? with Jesse Plemons. Yeah, he was uh, he played a pretty pretty prominent role in that. So that was interesting. Huh. Aubrey Miller here as Sindel. Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor are her only credits. That's it. Yep. Just these two. Yeah. Here's a real weird move. We got Burl Ives as the narrator. Uh, like, why is this film narrated? I don't know. I don't know. It's and, really and it's not funny. Necessary. I forgot. I, I've Did you forget? Oh, completely. And it I've forgotten. And when he started talking, I was like, it doesn't I put in, in the wrong movie. I know. It yeah. doesn't fill in a lot of gaps. And like, you can't help but think of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because it's very much yeah. like the style of narration is very similar. It's like, oh, Clarice and Mrs. Donner had to go back to, it's just like. He sounded very what are you bored doing, reading this. Well, that's just, yeah. that's just Burl Ives. We have, of course, Warwick Davis returning as Wicket, uh, a role he plays across the franchise, not involved in the animated yes. series that I've come across so far. But, of course, Return of the Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, and uh, the two Ewok movies. We have Mr. Warwick mm-hmm. Davis suiting up. Uh, plus, of course, the movie Willow, which is going to get a new TV show reboot on Disney+. And the series Life is Short. I know. I'm excited about that, too. Yeah. Uh, we have Daryl Henriquez, who replaces Adil Crooms. Adil Crooms did the voice in Return of the Jedi. Here we have mm-hmm. Daryl Henriquez taking over. Low Gray. Also, we have a new Low Gray. So Bobby Bell is in the suit instead of Mike Edwards. Okay. Bobby Bell was also in Return of the Jedi as one of the Ewoks, but he didn't play Low Gray. He was also in the Garbage oh, Pail Kids okay. uh, movie and Batman Returns. Playing Deej, we have Dan Frischman, also in Return of the Jedi as a different character. Okay. He had a pretty decent recurring role as D.A. Vincent Daniels on the sitcom Night Court, which also is about to have a reboot sequel oh, show Night coming out. Yeah. Uh, we have Debbie Lee Carrington playing Weechi. She actually played Ramba in Return of the Jedi. Plus, she was in shows like Boston Legal, ER, and she played Doreen on the Drew Carey Show. Wait, Boston Legal? She was yeah. with Dennis Crane? No, no, no. I wondered that, too. That character's name was Bethany. It was a different actress. Okay. Uh, we have Tony Cox <laughs> as Whittle, also in Return of the Jedi, plus movies like Beetlejuice. He recurred as Arlo in Rescue Me and played Marcus in the Bad Santa films. And finally, Pam Grizz uh-huh. as Shadu. She was in both Ewok films, Return of the Jedi, Under the Rainbow. And this I put in because it just is a weird little fact. She was a script supervisor on Dumbo's Circus. Do you remember Dumbo's Circus? It was like an early Disney Channel show, like late 80s. And it was like Dumbo just like hanging out in the circus. And it was all like oversized puppets. I loved it as a kid. And then I tried to show my son. And it's actually kind of terrifying the way these like giant puppets move around with their like dead glass eyes. Isn't, ser- it, isn't that how it always is Look though in the movies you saw when you were a kid like oh my gosh i'm never yeah. gonna show my children yeah. this. oh it's for it's true <laughs> so that is the cast and crew of caravan of courage steve do you want to take us into this masterpiece uh, i am i i'm gonna I, i'm gonna read my own detailed plot Please. and i gotta tell you it was a difficult one to uh should we just, I mean, I think we've already pretty much acknowledged this, but let's just get this out there. I did not enjoy watching this movie. Not, like, <laughs> How not many e- nights did it take you to get there? Not even for nostalgia's sake. I wasn't like, oh, Ewoks. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like checking the counter every few seconds. I did watch this on DVD because I have those DVDs from forever That's ago. Right. And yeah. I was like, darn it, I'm going to use that DVD. And I did it. What about yeah. you? I mean, what was your experience like? Did you enjoy watching it? I made the mistake of starting it really late one night because mm. um, I, I honestly didn't think it was as long as it was. It's long and you, you feel know? it. You feel and it. It's long. You really feel it. And there was a part where there was a time where I was like, I could finish this, but I could also go to bed. And, and it took me two nights to watch it. And this movie, there was it's just the first act 
and a second act. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of stuff at the beginning. And then they're like, okay, let's go on a trip. And then it's a completely different movie. I know. I know. I think that makes sense. Then it's a traveling movie. Then it's a caravan of courage. There it is. Second half, you know, and there it is. Right. And so for me, I was just like, how do I even write a plot for this? Because I was I was going in expecting to do it in three parts. And I I, I was like, there isn't just two parts. I know. Well, I'm excited to see what you got. Detailed plot as written by Steve Rudd. Due to disobedience, Mason Sindel Tawani becomes separated from their family ship that's recently crash-landed on the forest moon of Endor. Fortunately for them, they aren't around when a large giant comes to inspect the crash site, probably seeing the ship go down. However, their parents, Jeremit and Katarine, are captured and taken by the giant while they are looking for the missing Mace and Sindel. Ewok father Deej, while looking for his own children, stumbles upon the Tawani family wreck and finds the children hiding. Deej and the Ewok family bring Mace and Sindel back to their village, where Sindel, with the help of Wicket, attempts to convince Mace to make friends with the Ewoks. Instead, he's stubborn and attempts to escape the Ewoks' hospitality by running away, where they are introduced to a much more savage Endor than we are used to. Wicket and the family save Mace and Sindel, finally convincing Mace to ask the Ewoks to help them find their missing parents. The Ewoks agree to help them, though because the journey's dangerous, they form a fellowship of sorts and attempt to win the hearts of others along the way to join their caravan. Gorax the Giant is very dangerous, and only a courageous caravan of Ewoks, with the help of Mace and Sindel, could infiltrate and rescue the Tawani parents. The caravan sneaks into the giant stronghold, and after a frightening encounter with spiders, the group's able to spring Jeremit and Katarine from their cage. Weechi, the eldest son of Deej, employs an Ewok strategy we've seen before to divert the giant so that the rest can escape. The caravan, now with the help of everyone, including a determined fairy, managed to defeat Gorax by tripping him and causing him to fall backwards into a deep crevasse. The group escapes successfully, though not without casualty. In order to slow the giant down so the rest could escape, Chukatrak, the Ewok woodcutter, is killed. Returning to the village, the Ewoks and the Tuani celebrate their success. In the words of Burl Ives, Please. Reunited, the families enjoy the simple pleasures of being together, having learned something they already knew, that courage, loyalty, and love are the strongest forces of the universe. Amen. So let's get into it. Let's get into it here. I mean, they, I don't um, think there's enough Ewok development. I, I think that's what surprised me yeah. when I watched it a second. I mean, when I watched it not a second time, but now. Yeah. That I thought, wow, this is this is supposed to be all about the Ewoks, but it's really about Mace and Sindel. Yeah, it is. That's really what it's about. I mean, because yeah. then Sindel's in the next movie too. Right. It's hard to. I didn't like it. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Was, I'm trying to point out like things that I liked about it, and I just. I mean, first of all, I feel like the costumes is like the Ewok costumes look like they got them from like a mall. They look like dingy, gross costumes. Whereas in Return of the Jedi, I mean, they really looked pretty they real. Really I mean, you, you really buy them as like you know. Yeah, but well, I thought the costumes were bad. I think, I think a lot of my issue with this is the the main character Mace. I think he's just he's not a kid that you want to root for. You know, he's just more of yeah. like a petulant, like you guys, I don't need your help. You know, and it's kind of like the whole movie. He's just not a very sympathetic like yeah. lead. If, I, I don't really feel like rooting for him. It felt like me to like a lot of things he said were things that I would say in my head. Right. <laughs> Not out loud, you know, like, yeah. Cinder, let's go. These, I don't want to stay with these weird little freaky bear things anymore. Yeah. Like, you say that in your head. Right, you, I know. So it's like his, his, the lines felt very awkward, I think, very stiff. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you said it. This is about Mason Sindel. It's not about yeah. the Ewoks. And I feel no. like 
if they would have flipped that so you were seeing it from the Ewoks perspective, I think that would have been much better. Yeah, like because the Ewoks it helping is. the poor kids would have been perfect instead exactly. of like yeah. Mace and Sindel were kind of taking and charge. Really it's of, kind of so. Mace's story, you know? It is Mace's story. And I just really think, yeah. I don't think it's a dig on the actor. I mean, I think he's doing what he was told to do, yes. you know, as far as like how he plays that character. But And he's young. So, yeah, he's young. You know, it's... Sindel doesn't have a ton going on and Mace is not a very compelling character. So you sort mm-hmm. of like, I mean, you want them to find their parents, but like, it's just not a ton to really root for here. Yeah. And and I think he did the best he can. You know, I think it, it was never, for me, it was never really like, oof, like he's a bad actor. It was yeah. always like, oh man, those lines that, yes. like, oh, that, you know, he, yeah. you know, I can imagine him like trying to say that and being like, man, there is no way I can make yeah. this feel like it works with this scene. You know, like you know? it was. It was boring, as we discussed, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of cringy moments, but I really feel like the things that I remember, even from this watch, was like when we switched to the Ewoks when they're looking for the kids, and I love mm-hmm. that whole opening scene where they're trying to find the missing kids, and they're setting up the glider, and then somebody accidentally like cuts the glider too soon, and he yep. goes shooting off, then he's flying around, finds the kid, drops the... like All that stuff is great. you know. Like mm-hmm. Give us more Ewoks, I feel like is the problem yeah. here. You know, because anytime the focus kind of shifts to them, it it becomes much better. And even though like the fairy tale section like gets a little weird, like it's at least interesting when they go find Low Gray and he pulls out his like coked out viewmaster that he's like, you know, he's got that like mirrored disc thing that's spinning around showing them their parents and stuff. That was a very like (laughs) what. Like, and then the prizes they gave him too yeah. it was just like three headdresses, a rock, a yeah. crystal. It's, like it was just like, all right, they were just like, I know. What, what do we have? <laughs> we forgot. We only have three headdresses, so uh, do we have just crap laying around. Jim, like, check oh, your yeah, trunk. Do you have any rocks in your trunk? Because we need to fill the lady this was out. Like, I got crystals. Yeah, perfect. Get your crystals. Toss you them know? in. Like, Toss them in. One, They're just Ewoks. That one's special for healing. That's a healing yeah. crystal. So take care of it. So I. But yeah, that was that. It, it does take a weird fantasy turn. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you said that because that is exactly how I felt. I was just like, whoa, this is, it's no longer sci-fi. It's become fantasy. And that's, you know, that's not un-Star Wars. These Star Wars with, you know, the force and mysticism and stuff always kind of borders yeah. on more like science fantasy. Uh, but this. Especially in the expanded universe. Oh, like definitely. Which is a Dathomir. For stuff sure. Like that gets very, yeah, okay. No, yeah. So stuff, like, I, I, it's not that like the fantasy elements were, out of place necessarily it's just they weren't really integrated that well into this movie i mean Mm -hmm. i agree with you that it feels like two separate movies like you have sort of a the burl ives you like all the walks are trying to find the missing kids let's watch them for a minute you know and then you get in the second (laughs) act and it's like okay what it's like now there are like a thousand fairies everywhere and they're gonna go and like fight a stop motion giant and like use magic and i don't know it's just it it it's incongruous and just not fun. That's what I'm, the, I'm the narration. It's, I mean, he'd be like, and then Mace did not want to stay around. So right. he <laughs> decided to leave. Yeah. And then it's see, like, literally the next scene is, is Mace going central central, wake up. We need to get out of here. Right. And it's just like, they could just done without that narration and I just know. played the scene you, out. You just want to be like, pump, pump the brakes, Burl. We're able yeah, to use context Burl. clues. Burl, you know? I'm just gonna, Burl, I'm gonna see it in, a, <laughs> right. in two minutes. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> you just ruined the scene for me. 
What do you mean they're going to escape? <laughs> it was it was nice because it was like watching the movie with a grandpa, you know, just sort of <laughs> talking through the whole no, movie. Sean, What's going what on now? Hold, just, just hold on, Burl. You're going to see if you wait just a minute. <laughs> well, they all think that couldn't. the giant is dangerous and it's a dangerous journey. I don't know why so. they thought they needed that. It's like... <laughs> I know. It's like there was a bunch of different ideas for an Ewok movie and they were just like, do them all. Because yeah. like, if we were going to just focus on the Ewoks and not have dialogue or not have much dialogue, then yeah, maybe you do need a narrator. But this was mm -hmm. pretty dialogue heavy and so like you don't. And like if you're going to focus on a family crash landing there, okay, but then like maybe do that. It's just, it straddles a lot of lines and it never yeah. quite lands Or don't on... and leave it mysterious. Like what's going on? Yeah. Like you know, maybe not have them separated, but have it like, you know, I, I thought that that was a really weird thing to do. And I, I feel like it had to do with with Mace's development as a character that he was like, oh, I can do this on my own, blah, blah, blah. And then realizing that he needed help. Right. So, like, yeah, I figured, well, they're probably were separated from their parents because Mace felt like he could do something on his own, like go collect firewood, you know. Yeah. But they didn't need to. I don't think they needed to do that. Right. It just needed to be like, a, oh, man, this. Giants coming quick. May Sindel get inside or Sindel get inside the ship. Yeah. And then the giant comes and takes their parents and not the kid. That would have just well, been fine because they found her hiding, right? To me, it just, just kind of sense. it just kind of reeks of like old people trying to write for kids. Because I feel like especially given yeah. the time, you know, like you know whatever like et we're not that far away from like the goonies and that kind of thing where you're having like kid protagonists that are like cool and hip and self-sufficient yeah. i think that if mace would have been like all right sindel don't worry i'll take care of you we gotta we're gonna team up with these ewoks you know like if he would have been confident and smart and cool like kids watching this would have been like yeah he's so cool but instead he's just like no i don't need any help i have a mullet you know and it just Hey, why? You know, like well, that's just, why I, it wasn't I loved Han Solo as a kid because he yeah. was a take charge. Oh, I'm gonna get what I want out of this, and then I'm gonna get out of here. Yeah, you know, like he he was he, he was more confident with the way he handled himself, and so you're right. Mace is not a good like. I want to be like him, right? No, you know? and because of that, there's nobody in here that you really want to be like. And I had so much trouble tracking which one was wicked in any given scene right because one of his brothers looked just yes. like him right there was yeah and so it's one, sort of like it wasn't even like wicked was the lens because you're just like okay well now yeah. they both have little brown hats on no one of them yep. <laughs> stick a bow tie on one of them i need to know but it even wasn't it really didn't spotlight wicked a whole lot no, only when there were sindel scenes where did we have wicked pretty much right but other than that it was always one of the brothers it was always deej and they don't was, you know they don't speak english in this right we didn't they didn't have dialogue did they i don't think english dialogue. they did when they would repeat things right they would be okay. they would say things and then okay. they would like repeat them yeah. like you learning a language right yeah because like, there's a whole other rock, thing about like okay, where rock. these are supposed to fit in a timeline like for a right. while they were saying it was between empire and return of the jedi and then there was also talk apparently on the set that it was set like a hundred years later just to avoid everything and so again because but of it's that wicked. they live that long he's a baby for that long i like, guess i can't imagine that. I, yeah, yeah exactly but like because <laughs> you of children that are like a hundred years old none of it really make like it doesn't you can't really fit it in you know i mean you could just kind of say whatever it i would think it's before return it's of the before jedi or return of the jedi yeah. just based on like 
Mace's clothes. Like, I see what they did. They try to make him look like pilot clothes. Yeah, he's like got kind of an X-Wingy clothing. kind of vibe to it, doesn't he? Yeah, the yeah. orange jumpsuit with white puffiness to it. Um, you know, it's for as heavily merchandised as Star Wars was, I didn't find a whole lot of, like, Ewoky stuff. Like, they put out the, the soundtracks yeah. together on vinyl, you know, after Battle of Endor came out. But I couldn't find, like, an action figure line for this or, like... You know, yeah. Ewok stuffed animals. There were there was like a book. Like each each movie has a like a kind of an extended picture book that tells the story, but not even like huh. a novelization or something. So oh, not even a novelization. <laughs> no, and it just seems like the whole point of doing this is to kind of get in on like the heels of Star Wars for much cheaper, you know, and much more easily accessible, but to not then like merch it. I, don't, I just don't really understand. Right. I don't know. You know, I was really expecting to, for this to be like a big nostalgia train for me, but instead it was I just know. like. I remembered, or at least what's burned into my brain is all the Gorax scenes. Okay, I remember yeah. them being captured. I remember the scenes of them being in that cage. That was like, I'm waiting for that scene. And I'm like, there it is. That's the scene that I remember when I was a kid. I... So. You know, that was, I mean, not the spiders, I completely forgot about them. Yeah. That terror dog thing, completely forgot about that. Yeah. Right. And so Gorax for me was the most memorable. And it, it's it's funny because that scene where they fight that terror dog or whatever that mm -hmm. thing is, feels like, like Jason and the Argonauts. Yes, exactly. I mean, or like the original, of like Land of the Lost or something. Yeah. This yeah, was... that's exactly. And yeah, this was it's... late in the stop motion game. They didn't do a lot of stop motion after this. Yeah. It was pretty raw. Yeah, there's there's no excusing it. I mean, it is bad, but that was at least like nostalgic for me. Like I, it stood out as not gelling with the rest of Star Wars, but I enjoyed seeing yeah. the classic stop motion. The forest looked good. I yeah. mean, they did did a good job with the interactions of how that yeah. worked and stuff like that. Like I, that's what I always thought throughout the movie when they when they were in the forest and all those wide shots. I was like, oh, cool. That's. I mean, I'd like to be there. You get that feeling, you know, of mm -hmm. wanting to be in that forest where there's giant trees and very little mid-sized vegetation. Yeah. yeah. Right where that would block your view. So it's pretty much you know, redwoods that are, you know, 12 feet wide and then some ferns. Yeah. That's it. You know? yeah, no, it's, it's such a bizarre place to be. There's nothing in between. I'm going to have to wait for Battle <laughs> for Endor because there's many things that I'm picturing specifically and they were not here. So I'm hopeful that they weren't just a fever dream, but are in fact in uh, Battle for Endor. Um, right. Gosh, it's, it's hard to pick, but what was your Ichiwawa moment? For me, the Ichiwawa moment was seeing the ingenuity of the Ewoks get Mace up into the cage, right? right. So they they take the, the Gorax's axe and they do the they do like a um, seesaw type thing, and yeah. they, the Ewoks jump down on it, see if he can fly up, you know. And then seeing um, you know Weechi do the the same thing that the Ewok did to the the Imperial Scouts, I was like. Yeah. Perfect. Well, you remember my Ichiwawa moment from Return of the Jedi was the gliders, you know, when they go through and they're yes. dropping the rocks with the gliders. So as soon as there we start this and the Ewoks are setting up the glider again, I was like, yeah, Ewok glider. Woo. So that was pretty sweet. I also <laughs> liked when uh, when Mace falls in the like he touches the water and gets sucked in. And it's like that whole magic thing where he can't get out and they keep oh, trying yeah. to drop him a rope and stuff. I thought that was a cool moment. So I got to give it that. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. what's funny? That's that's very like that's a very period scene, right? Yeah. That, that reminds me of like the never-ending story, yes. 
you know, stuff like that where like, you know, kids would just get sucked in or something like that. So I was just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> my kids are never going to want to touch water it's, again yeah, for if sure. they watch this movie. There's for just sure. a couple things. Yeah. But uh, no, that's good. How, how many uh, yub nubs do you, do you give this one? Boy, I don't I mean, I got next I know, to nothing I to good to first. say about it. I mean, <laughs> for for those few things that I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I like the glider. I liked, I liked Low Gray's weird Viewmaster. But I don't, I don't have much good to say. I guess I'm gonna give it two because I didn't hate it or anything. I, I just, yeah, it wasn't even nostalgic fun. So I'm gonna give it two out of five. What about you? Yeah, I was gonna give it two out of five as well. Yeah. Um, just because I don't think it's an absolutely terrible movie. It's not a train wreck. There are some really fun parts and really exciting parts. Um, I forgot about that water scene, and that is a pretty exciting part. Like, yeah. oh man, like what is happening? You know, and then. That was just a crazy scene for me. Yeah. So, and, and I'm also rocking the whole, I think I expected it to be way better than it was simply yes. because of that nostalgia, that childhood yeah. nostalgia that like, oh yeah, I liked it when I was a kid. So I'm going to love it now. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, so yeah. I don't think it was terrible, but I think I'm, you know, I think I'm coming down a little hard on it that I feel that I feel a little bit gypped. That yeah. wasn't as good as I remember. Well, over on, yeah. uh, you know, elsewhere on the Radio Meanwhile Network, on previously on X-Men, uh, Hillary was just doing the, the commentary on Deadpool 2, and I guess hosted that one with mm-hmm. her. And we were talking about, like, you know, do you watch the Deadpool movies if you're going to watch all of the X-Men movies? And she kind of turned it back on me, and she was like, well, would you watch the Ewok movies if you were going to do, like, a Star Wars marathon? And I think before this, I might have said, yeah, I'd watch the Ewok movies. Now, mm-hmm. after watching it, I'm kind of like, I don't really think so. They're just so different. It just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like you're gonna watch Rogue One and yeah, Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're gonna watch those. Yeah. But this is just. Uh, it's a different where do you thing. fit it in? Too. It's I mean, you a, have to. Yeah. <laughs> you have to fit it in, I, I guess, after Return of the Jedi before you start getting into good content again. I knew that it was so. a different thing, but I guess I just thought that it still felt like the Endor from Return of the Jedi. Like, I thought it was still yeah. going to feel like those scenes felt, and and it didn't. But I, I know, just because I remember the plot to Battle for Endor, I know that the stakes are higher in that one. I know that it's darker. It's a little creepier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to discussing that one. And... We're going to have our first guest on the show. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to be joined by Crystal Storm. Uh, Crystal's a sci-fi and thriller author, and she's a creative content producer. She's got a great online presence. So if you're not familiar with her, you know, go find her on Twitter or or, uh, right, right on her website, Crystal Storm. She and I were on an episode of Three Nice Things, which was one of the original uh, Radio Meanwhile shows where we'd watch Mm. a bad movie and we'd each have to come up with three (laughs) nice things to say about it. And she and I uh, and Eric Nichols watched Battlefield Earth with Travolta. It was, you know, so it's like Crystal and I have been through war together. You know, I feel like we have a permanent bond after having watched Battlefield Earth. The episodes are still available, so if you go over the Dusk vs. Week uh, YouTube page or just go to YouTube and search Three Nice Things Battlefield Earth, you can hear me, Crystal, and Eric talk about Battlefield Earth, and it was a rough time. So hopefully this battle will be more fun. Uh, yes. if, oh, different battle. Yeah. yeah. Different battle, different battlefield, different yeah. planet. You know. So, and yeah. if you have comments, if you remember things about Battle for Endor, we'd love to hear from you over on Facebook or Twitter. So let us know that. But other than that, uh, we'll see you next time with Battle for Endor. Closing out, my name is Steve Rudd. You got it. You got it. Just right. <laughs> I figured, just right. Just, I just had to nail it to the wall I right think there. It did. Boom. Yep.
This Endorian Life was brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, radiomeanwhile.com. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter or Facebook at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share this show wherever you get your podcasts.